0: everyone, I am Emily Landers and this is How'd She Do That, a podcast answering that question each episode. Well, welcome everyone. I am so happy that you are tuning in to today's episode. I am so eager to share my conversation with Mignon Gavigan and I really think you're going to enjoy it. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. You have stumbled onto what was originally a passion project during the 2020 quarantine that has now turned into what I hope will continue to be a flourishing podcast and business. If you missed last week's episode with Julia Amory, you are definitely going to want to go and listen as we talk all about her brand, India Amory, and how she got started. It was a very, popular episode. So I definitely encourage you to listen to it after you hear Maggie's story today. Well, I am learning so much as we continue to grow the podcast, and we have had an amazing influx of women reaching out to be featured, which is very humbling to me. I love sharing your stories. We currently have episodes scheduled through the spring, but we are eager to fill our sponsorship placements. So if you are a small business or if you would like to highlight your brand on an upcoming episode of How'd She Do That, please do reach out to us via our website, contact page. I've also had others ask how you can support the podcast and we welcome monthly contributions and you can set that up on anchor.fm slash how'd she do that slash support. Well now that we have all of the business things out of the way, I am so excited to share my conversation with Maggie of Mignon Gavigan. You're gonna hear in this conversation we had so much fun. I was amazed hearing more about the process behind how she designs her jewelry, Uh, and I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear the epic story behind the cult favorite of her scarf necklaces. How that came together is amazing. It was so fun to hear about the early days when she was out and about doing trunk shows. And if you're familiar with her pieces, you're going to love hearing more insight as to how she comes up with these beautiful pieces that represent all things nature Everything that I love, I have said it before, and you'll likely hear me say it in this episode. If I was a jewelry designer, I hope that my creations would look like Maggie's. That's how connected I feel to her jewelry. It is absolutely beautiful. And if you have a piece, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't yet, well, I'm excited to introduce you. You guys are going to love hearing about the hard work behind this brand and business, and I know you're going to be encouraged. This is an episode you're going to want to send to a friend. Here is Mignon Gavigan on How'd She Do That? Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That?, Today's guest, Mignon Gavigan, has an impressive resume and impeccable style. Mignon is the founder of one of my all-time favorite brands, Mignon Gavigan, which she launched in 2014. Her philosophy is that sophistication and playfulness can coexist. She creates thoughtfully designed, handmade accessories to elevate your everyday. Upon graduating from UNC Chapel Hill, she continued her passion for design at Parsons Paris, then Parsons, New York. Her signature piece, which we'll discuss in detail, created her a cult-like following. She has since continued to create timeless and stunning pieces, which you can find at Neiman Marcus and Bergdorf Goodman, to name a few. Originally from Charlotte, North Carolina, Mignon's passion and love for life is inspired by nature, her family, and friends. When she isn't creating new stunning designs for her customers or styling her pieces for a photo shoot, she is likely hanging out with her darling son, Fields. Mignon, welcome to How'd She Do That?
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure.
0: Oh well I have been so excited about this episode and I, I mentioned this before we started recording. I'm gonna have to stop myself from from fangirling and really, really showing how excited <laughs> I am today. <laughs> oh, that really needs I, a lot. I I, I Oh, it's so true. And I have, uh, for those of you who, who are just now being introduced to Mignon and all of her work and her pieces, uh, you guys are going to see how stunning they are. You might even want to go ahead and look her up. Uh, we'll give you the chance to do so later. But boy, um, if I was uh, as creative as you, I feel like your designs would be what I, I would hope to make. So, yeah. oh my goodness. It's, it's really, really fun and exciting to chat with you today.
1: I am so excited, too. Seriously, thank you. And thank you for those kind words. That truly means the world to me.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, it's awesome. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm excited because I got a sneak peak of your career and and some of the questions I'm going to ask today, but I love to just dive in. I would love to kind of start all the way back at the beginning, maybe tell us a little bit about your UNC days. Uh, So, you know, where did you go to school and and perhaps what did you major in?
1: Sure. Um, So way back in the day, (laughs) at this point... um, (laughs) We uh I went to UNC. Um from I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina and always wanted to go to UNC. So that was exciting to to get to be there and be surrounded by such interesting, cool, motivated people. Um, very kind, but in deciding where to go, uh, you know, I had some conversations with my parents and I excelled in art classes from you know through middle school, went to North Carolina School of the Arts um during the summers and then in, in um took AP art and uh, the high school, I won an award where they bought a huge piece of my artwork, which was um, oh. very exciting, but um, spoke to my parents and we, you know, we decided that it might be a good idea to get a, you know, a good fundamental bachelor of arts education before mm-hmm. jumping into um, focusing on, on art and design um, as a career. So um that was my, that was my decision-making there. And actually when I was at Parsons, um, UNC undergrad, i my last semester I did in, in Paris, lived with a French family, finished school. And I was kind of like, mom, what do I do now? And she said, well, what do you love? And I said, fashion. And she said, okay, well there's, you know, Parsons, Paris is right down the road. Why don't you go see if you can enroll in a few classes or something? Um, and ironically, uh, I don't even think I mentioned this when we last chatted, but when I was in the admissions office, I'm sitting there and this girl who's t- like two years older than me, she had graduated from UNC two years before. She had um, done the same thing. She'd walked into the Parsons Paris uh, office oh, and here she was sitting here and she just completed an internship with Alexander McQueen and she was like living out my dream. So it was almost <laughs> uh, that I ended up there. And so I did Parsons, Paris, and then ended up in Parsons, New York city. Um, and my parents raised me to always, um, work really hard and achieve goals on my own. Mm -hmm. So while I was at Parsons in New York, I had an internship at Mark Jacobs and I also had a job at Asprey. So not only did I have a full-time, uh, school schedule, I also had these other internships, you know, and you kind of have to just keep going and, and jump on the wheel in order to get as much experience as possible in order mm-hmm. to gain uh, enough exposure to different people to find whatever those fashion jobs are, because they are few and far between. In order to have the right experience, um, I found that it was important to just really work as hard as I could to... Uh, to meet as many people as I could in order to find those, those jobs.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. And remind me of this Parsons at Parsons, that was actually graduate school, correct? Right. Yes. So what was that? What did those classes look like? What was that? uh, What was your ultimate kind of with graduating? What was it that you received from Parsons?
1: Oh, it's an AAS associate degree. And we, the classes were, I mean, amazing. If anybody can take some, um, go to Parsons in Paris, they should. Because, you know, <laughs> half of our classes were sitting in the Musee d'Orsay or sitting in uh, Le Paras and uh, just, you know, design uh, sketching out the, uh, you know, the staircases or, you know, the, the entryway or the hallway or um, wow. it, was, it was truly magical. And they, um, the emphasis that they put on, on visual arts in Europe is something that I haven't felt here as much. It's a much different, there's a much more of a contemporary, I believe vibe here, especially Mm -hmm. in New York. Um, And the emphasis on Beaux-Arts in, in Paris, especially was, really, um, it was almost delicious how much they appreciated wow. it and loved it. And you just fed off of that and you really wanted to, to dive in and see, explore and, and, you know, go to all the museums and, and, and try all the techniques that they, uh, that these, you know, incredible artists, painters, sculptors, um, had achieved, um, you wow. know, many years ago. So.
0: Oh, wow! It's so fun to think about you running around paris and and from <laughs> Charlotte. I mean, that's right. quite a, a change. What was it that brought you back to New York? Was there a, a time limit on on being in Paris, or what did that kind of look like, and how did you come about that decision?
1: Great question we um Parisians like to hire Parisians, so ah. <laughs> stay in Paris without a job. And so um, I did apply for a few internships while I was there, but ultimately realized that um, I was going to need to come back to the United States. And I'd always wanted to live in New York City. My mom tells a story where we were um, walking, we were on a family trip up here in the city and I was seven years old and I was, you know, gazing up at all the skyscrapers and sh- and I just said, I'm going to live here one day. I just love this place. Ugh. And so, oh <laughs> so she was not surprised when uh, I, the summer in between me living in Paris and then moving to New York. I worked at PF Chang's in Charlotte. And, you know, uh, everybody kind of was like, So, what's your story? And I would tell my story, and some of them would slip me an extra 20 bucks to help me pay my rent. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I love it. So, from there, gosh, yeah, you are in Paris. And of course, living, I'm thinking of the more recent uh, Netflix uh, show, Emily in Paris. Yeah. The Parisians loving to hire Parisians. That makes yes. sense. Okay, and then. Yeah. Gosh, stepping into New York, and what did that look like? What did that kind of transition look like for you? You're in Charlotte briefly, and then you're wrapping up in New York, or is that where internships take off? I'd love to hear about that season of life.
1: Sure. So, um, I finished my last semester of the AAS program in New York. So, I had another semester's worth of classes to take. Um, And I, as I mentioned before, you really have to have internships on your resume and that's ultimately how you find people. Um, Mm. We even here at MG now we're in our seventh year, but we, we hire our interns because they are, they already know all the processes. We know them, we know their work ethic. Um, Mm. And so that was a really important um, step for me. So uh, although I was, you know, It was it was awesome because I was able to live with three of my best girlfriends from UNC. We actually all lived; um, two of us lived together in Paris as well. We lived with a French family, Um, so that was a really special time. Yeah, we moved here uh, to New York also together, and you know, we at any any point in time had two or three girls extra living with us because the rent was so crazy that we were like couch great. We'd share our beds like with our other girlfriends, you know, who were coming up for internships. Um, we made it work. Um, but so, uh, inevitably I was in school for half, you know, three fourths of the day and then would need to do all the work for that. But also I had an internship and then I also had uh, a job. And so I would come home and I remember, you know, sometimes just getting really frustrated. Everybody had a really good time and, you know, (laughs) cocktails in the afternoon and I couldn't partake because I had so much to do, but, um, you know, you kind of, you just get through it. And mm-hmm. I actually got like really sick um, towards the end of that semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, you almost pull all nighters several days in a row just to get your, you know, your last projects done. And um, right. I actually called my mom and she, yeah, it was terrible. Actually, I like had vomited up blood because I hadn't eaten. Oh. And it was just like, I right. mean, you just got to do it. You got to get through it. And, right. um, she recommended that I take a summer and go out West with my older brother. He worked on a, a, a backpacking company called um, moon dance. And oh. that ended up being a really wonderful experience for me. He and I became so much closer. I'm one of four kids, three brothers. So, you know, I'm sitting there at staff training for that. And cause my mom was like, your skin hasn't seen sunlight in, you know, a year. You uh, are <laughs> you know, very malnourished. <laughs> yeah. you need to go and take care of yourself and be outdoors, and then come back to this, you know, and then start again. Because I had, I guess, I had one more semester. Sorry about that. Three oh, semesters wow. total. So, um, yeah, I was at staff training. This funny story uh, with my older brother, and we're sitting there, and we break off into groups. And this is in Colorado. We started, in, we had the start training in Colorado and he and I led a trip out of Seattle where we climbed um, uh, Smith Rock and we, and then we, you know, we hiked the Northern Cascades and we, you know, we based it out of Seattle and then we we sea kayaked in the San Juan Islands with like gray whales and bald eagles. It was amazing. Oh but so my in, uh, training, it was crazy because I'm sitting there, my older brother, he's two years older than me and we break off into this, you know, hiking And we start hiking and we're following the trail and and, uh, I was leading and we get to where we stop and sit down and I open up the map and I literally just puked everywhere because I was so dehydrated (laughs) and I was so out of shape. And
0: I just said, girl, (laughs)
1: yes, (laughs) it was horrible. I started crying and I, you know, got up and walked over to the side and was looking at this overpass for a second to gather myself. My older brother walks over to me. He's like, Maggie, don't worry, you got this. Oh, that's my nickname too. People call me Maggie. Um, (laughs) But he's like, you got this, don't worry. And it was really a turning point for me and and he and I and our relationship. And it was, it was such a wonderful building block for me as a person. And I think my character to to realize, think I can't do something, but know that if I just put one foot in front of the other, I can tackle anything. Um, Mm. So came back to New York city and, you know, worked again the same kind of way, but um, with my health, at least in mind this, the second semester and, there was, you mentioned, um, how did I have, you know, navigate and find my first job? It was interesting because I was taking an entrepreneurship class. There was this interesting guy and he came, he had a collective, a New York City collective. So what that means is there's a designer, but everybody kind of has input. There was a branding person, there was a production person, there was a stylist, and they all kind of collaborated together to come up with designs and that was so cool. I thought <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is so New York," and so everybody wore black. And you know, it was the yes. time of. It. I feel like that's a lost gone era. Um, but mm-hmm. that's how he came to our entrepreneurship class, and he spoke to us. The guy that that it was his company, um, and he actually took us to his studio on Broom Street in Soho. And then um, he gave us all his card and I followed up and interviewed and that was my first job. I worked there for three years and it was wonderful.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, it's so amazing because I, I uh, had a stint in New York as well. I know you're still there. Uh, and to hear, I, I just, this is a takeaway that I wasn't actually expecting, but I love uh, that your mom had that wisdom to say, you need yeah. to get out of here for a second. Yeah. And I think that's so wise and I remember that New York fast-paced crazy yes. hours, no sleep, translucent skin, haven't yes. seen the sun. I just I love that your mom had that that uh, probably, you know, as a mother she or saw say. it, but just yeah, that ability to say hold on a second. And I'm so curious too because when I hear about this, I mean, first of all that was uh, such an amazing break probably the polar opposite of of the lifestyle you were living to be out in nature and and whatnot um and we haven't really hit on this but your designs are very i mean what i love about them is they are completely intertwined with nature so is that something that you've always loved did that trip i mean do you look back at that and think whoa maybe that that trip had something to do with this or, or is that something you've always loved
1: uh that's a good question um I know it was one other thing while we were at staff training, everybody's kind of going around talking about what they do and they're, you know, they're a teacher right. or they work in the outdoors somewhere. And I'm like, I'm a fashion designer in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like, what are you doing here? But, um, but you're right. I love nature. I, I find, you know, people often ask, where do your where does your inspiration come from? And it's honestly, it comes from keeping my eyes open and it's seeing patterns in, um, everything from like uh, the story, the color story of a bird's wings or the cracks wow. in the in the, uh, you know, the sidewalks or like the chipping paint coming off of a building or the setting wow. sun in the sky and how it's reflecting off of the buildings like the the skyscrapers or, you know, it's, it's truly everything around me. Um, I quarantined in um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was mm-hmm. just a wonderful time to be able to you know, wake up, be glued to my computer. And then at lunchtime, go walk out, walk, take my parents dog out for a walk and just mm-hmm. be outside, you know, right. the leaves, the gumballs, the changing leaves, the, the trees, the, you know, everything you find out there, the bark, the seashells. Uh, if you just look at it, it's, it, it, you know, things that you wouldn't see, maybe, you know, uh, we, we would drive down to Florida. My parents, of course, you know, wouldn't take a flight or anything. So, they had a place um, down in Florida. And, you know, as soon as we get to where the palm trees were and the and the uh, weather changes, there were parts where, you know, you, there's just all this beautiful moss growing on these trees and it's a whole world, uh, you know, an environmental world. But if you look at it up close, just the story and then translating that into embroidery is something I just love to do. And it, it in turn makes these wonderful creations that, you know, of patterns that aren't from something, you know, they're from... It's really just an interpretation of colors and beads and um, uh, materials to to try and translate um, nature's artwork. I truly love it.
0: Oh, wow. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you explain it so well. My my brain is kind of buzzing. I'm ready to go outside after this. I think perhaps perhaps if you're listening, um, yeah, perhaps if you're listening, go outside. My goodness, take a walk and listen because I love I love your thought and I love hearing more about your process um, with design. Well, 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 let's backtrack because I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more about. Okay, so you've got this first role at this collective after school. Uh, you've graduated, you're excited, you're ready to go. At this point in life, what did you think your trajectory was going to look like? And what were you doing kind of day to day in that role? Sure.
1: So I felt very lucky to have a job, even though my, um, my salary was like $28,000 a year. Uh, right. in, like No insurance. I ended up, I was telling one of our interns this the other day, I was like, I didn't have any health insurance or dental insurance, and I loved Starbursts. And so, after uh-huh. three years of working there, I had like eight cavities, and <laughs> I get like a root canal, and had to go on a payment plan to like pay for my root canal because my teeth. Were. <laughs> so anyway, after that job, I made sure my next jobs had much better pay and uh, health insurance. But that was one to grow on. But this was such a cool New York City. It's something that. I will cherish and, um, and always look back on fondly, but it was, it was very difficult. Again, it was like the same grind that you were talking about. We put on fashion shows twice a year. I was there one, um, uh, the, I was an assistant designer for clothing, apparel designer. So I did all the sketching, all the tech packs was in the sample room up in the garment district every day um, best friends with everybody in there, you know, before the fashion shows, I was in there all night sewing things, sewing dresses. Um, and then, you know, you get to the, to the fashion show and I'm, you know, making last minute changes, you know, stitching up a girl, if the dress is too big or, you know, making sure the looks are perfect and on, um, on par and, and, you know, the shoes are perfect, whatever. So that was a really exciting time. And it was, you know, I didn't look at how it was affecting my health and not really sleeping and <laughs> whatever. Cause it was really just so exciting. Um, and it was so filled with creativity and all these interesting aspects of that, like New York city can provide. Um, and you really only find it here. Um, and so I knew I needed to be here and I wanted to be here and I loved it. Um, and so I worked there for three years. Unfortunately, that uh, company went under, They, uh, you know, fashion shows are very expensive (laughs) and the guy that was running it, um, he had, he didn't look, what was, what was great about having all these different design positions that I, that I had before starting my company was that I could see the mistakes that people made. So, you know, he made beautiful clothes and really expensive uh, materials and these huge fashion shows, but, um, there was not a focus on, profitability. So ultimately the money ran out and we had to shut down. So, um, and then my next role, I was a handbag designer, um, for, yeah. So that was cool. And then that was a teeny tiny job. And then, um, I knew I needed to work for a big company after that. So I ended up working, um, for a footwear designer, huge company. And that was a wonderful experience in terms of, Really, the president. So it's Jones, New York, and the president. Oh, wow. He would have weekly um, meetings with him. Um, design reviews. He'd sit in, and um, that was really important to just gain his whatever his you know his knowledge that he had to offer. Because we, I mean, one thing that we still use to this day is that um, you know you need a foundation. It's, mm-hmm. it's he said it's like a layer cake. He's like Minyan. You can't just make these fantastical, whimsical shoes and not have uh, a base of just plain shoes that you can sell all day long because these you know these simple flats the at like 55 mm or you know whatever the stiletto version is and then your simple boots that people will buy all day long and, and rebuy and you use the same pattern over and over again you don't have to remake the last the toe shape is evergreen you know those are the styles that are going to be the base of your layer cake and then the more interesting pieces you're going to layer on top. Where, and he's like, these fantastical shoes that you've been designing, those are just the little teeny tiny 1% that's at the top. That'll, you know, that's wow. what gains recognition and, you know, the fun things that people see and maybe that you draw them to your brand. But then they ultimately buy these everyday simple pieces. Um, so that was a wonderful learning experience. And, um, I was really happy to be there. I, I worked at a, on a line that was a contemporary line. And, um, so a Macy's line and then also a Saks line for Rachel Roy. So that was really fun. And, and something that was interesting at that job was, um, they took care of their employees in a way, their creative employees in a way that was pretty wonderful. We, um, we went to two trade shows a year, one in Paris and then one in Bologna, Italy. And from there, they would say, you know, choose a couple different cities and go inspiration shopping. And so we, I know, right. So, um, (laughs) you know, we did everything on the cheap leap, but we were able to go. And honestly, that's my favorite thing to do in the world is to travel and explore and find new things. And so we would go to, you know, all the vintage stores and the flea markets and just search for whatever was interesting about that place in those, um, that culture and those traditions and how could we take that back, reinterpret it and, you know, make something interesting and new. And so even for, um, I've been able to take that with me through, I think all of my design, uh, positions, but especially here at MG, we, um, each collection it's based off of a new place that our MG girl may, maybe has traveled to that and, you know, seen what was interesting about those places and how could we, um, you know, reinterpret those, maybe some interesting technique or color story or a new, um, you know, way of looking at jewelry. I had actually never been a jewelry designer before we started MG. I was a apparel designer and a handbag designer and then a footwear designer. So, um, yeah. Learning the ropes of a jewelry brand has been something that each year I'm learning lots of new things, but it was, that's why I think we, we are, our brand stands apart is because I come from a jewelry, I'm looking at jewelry from a totally different perspective than I think typical jewelry brands. Um I'm not even sure I answered your question, but...
0: (laughs) No, absolutely. No. Oh my gosh. I'm just sitting here soaking it all in. I think you just landed on so many... Amazing thoughts. I just want to backtrack because I love the point you made. You know, kind of going back all the way to that first role after grad school, and, and you just mentioned seeing, you know, seeing the mistakes that were made, and, and not in a negative way, or you know, that this company know. wasn't oh, an awesome, awesome place to be. But to be able to see, okay, hold on a second, we've got this extravagant setup. Where where are we making this money? And then for your next role to take away, I love love, love that example of the layered cake. And you guys who are listening, who are entrepreneurs, or perhaps you're thinking, you know, you're listening to Maggie's story and you're thinking, okay, this is so awesome. I'm feeling inspired. I'm excited. Think of that layer cake. What's going to be that base that you're going to be able to sell all day long. And then you can do the kind of crazy fun one-offs. I've never heard It's said that way. And hearing that that's something that you still follow with MG, I I can see it. And I think that is so cool. I've never heard of it like that. (laughs) So I just, I love that. I think that's such a great kind of tip and insight for for designers for anyone listening. And two, thinking about all the different things you had your hands in before starting with jewelry. I mean, it's it makes total sense that that the MG girl would be who she is, that the travel would be there from from the years of inspo shopping. I mean, this is so fun to connect oh. the dots in your story to your brand. So okay you're at what Jones, New York. And how how long are you there? What what does it look like? Are you stepping out to do MG from there? What did that look like?
1: Right. So Jones owns Nine West and a bunch of other brands. And so Rachel Roy was under their umbrella, uh, which was great because that's in terms of learning from tiny, tiny company to bigger comp, like huge, massive company Um, and then going to Leffler Randall was my last footwear design post. Um, and Jesse was, she's a mentor and a friend and just truly one of the most, um, talented people I've ever met. But so, and then she, at that point, that was a, you know, eight years ago. So she, yeah, just see, it was so nice to see how she had built her company and she was in that middle phase. Now they're, I feel like they're huge and super successful. Um, But to see, you know, to, to kind of see the full circle of small, medium and large was mm-hmm. uh, really helpful in my development and really helped us get MG off the ground. Um, at least, you know, I didn't know everything by any means, but at least to have um, a knowledge base to grow from, to maybe make, have made seen some mistakes be made at other places to, to maybe not do those on my own dime um, right. when, we're, when we're building out this company. Um, But so I had made the first scarf necklace many years ago, like maybe back in 2007. Um, And I had ripped up a vintage gown and I uh, picked up uh, a piece from the, I was, I was draping for a runway dress. I was putting pieces on a mannequin to kind of get an idea for beadwork. And um, I had, there's a piece on the floor that was all ripped and it's misshapen. Um, It's not perfect. And I tied it around my neck with a safety pin. I walked home from Broom and West Broadway to to into the lead us, um Mulberry and Spring Street, and three hundred uh-huh. people struck me and said, "Where can I buy that?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so um, I was like, "Well, I really need help paying my rent this month. Can you give me, uh, you know, four weeks? I'll have it made for you." And I just started making them for people, oh and um, it was interesting because in design school. They say if you ever want to have your own brand, it has to be something unique and interesting and original. Otherwise, the it's so saturated out there. Um, wow. So you know, you have what sets you apart, basically. So this was kind of this like new idea. We called it a scarf necklace, and um, we. So yeah, I started making them just one-offs for people. Eventually, I started having like little trunk shows here and there for people. And so, um, after my last design post at, as a footwear designer, there had been enough demand that, um, I was put in touch with this awesome girl. She's my business partner and co-founder and her name's Lane Jacobs-Logigan and she had worked in finance and, and she, her husband was like, let's see, we got put in touch through a friend of a friend and her husband had bought her one of my original necklaces and she oh. was obsessed with it. Or maybe oh, I she love had- it it somehow because she has she had seen it and was obsessed with it and so um to the day to this day though that's our core necklace we call it the lo charlo pearl and um, it's our best-selling necklace and it's it's one of our evergreen styles it's in our classics collection you'll always be able to buy it um and it really is it's wonderful because it's it is ageless it spreads across so many age groups you can wear it with jeans and a t-shirt or you can wear it with like a formal dress, you know, Right. Um, people give it as like graduation gifts or they give it to their grandmother for Christmas. You know, it's really, it's, it was, that's what launched MG. So our first year we did, um, Lane and I, in 2014, we started, we worked out of my apartment, um, down here on Franklin street and, um, Yep. We bootstrapped it for a very long, we still are. (laughs) Uh, I'll be very excited the day that maybe we won't have to bootstrap, but until then, here we are. (laughs) Um, And we, yeah. So the first collection was all scarf necklaces the first year, 2014. And then 2015, we um, started developing earrings. And as I said before, I had never made jewelry before. So and I'm in that, oh, all of our pieces are handmade by, um, expert artisans in India. A lot of, um, amazing. The really amazing embroidery work comes out of India. So, um, we were lucky to be able to partner with them. And, um, then, you know, they were used to making, you know, beaded gowns and beaded, you know, maybe like dinner jackets and things, nothing like a scarf, necklace, or a, never an earring. So our first earrings kind of, Needed a lot of help, and we we've come a long way uh, since then. But now earrings are eighty percent of our business, so wow. um, there's a lot of focus on that. As we've grown, we've started to use more and more hardware to set the embroidery into. So you know, some of our as we've built out our team, we've built out people that have um, expertise in production, and you know, maybe China or Thailand or Bangkok, mm-hmm. so that we can um, have these beautiful embroideries set into beautiful pieces of hardware. Um, and that's been an interesting and, and fun, um, you know, update and dynamic for, for our brand and our brand's evolution.
0: Oh, wow. Absolutely. You guys, if, if you haven't seen what she's talking about, you're going to love the scarf necklaces. Would you say that's kind of your bottom layer piece of the cake?
1: Yes, for sure. And that's what, you know, we, the way that um we started our first so this is another interesting story. My um one of my best friends in the entire world, she had worked for Tori Birch when Tori first started, and she worked in her um apartment uh, wow. with Chris Birch. And Chris had said to her, You know, you nobody knows you. Nobody knows your product, nobody knows how to wear it. Uh you need to get on the road and do trunk shows. So um my friend worked with us our that first year in for sales, she headed up our sales. And she and I hit the road. We did 30 trunk, trunk shows in 52 weeks all oh. over the United States. So oh my yeah, insane. talk about exhausting. I remember um, one week we did North Carolina and we did a show. We did two shows in Charlotte, North Carolina, back to back. And then drove up to Raleigh, did another show in Raleigh. And then I had to get, I was so exhausted, but I had a you know, a meeting with Harper's Bazaar that next morning. So I had to get on an airplane flight to get up to see Glenda Bailey. And I remember being on the airplane and I had to write thank you notes to all the people that had just hosted the trunk shows. And I remember being like, I can't lift my arm to write this thank you note because I am so exhausted. <laughs> um, oh my God. But, uh, Again, you got to do what you got to do to get there, to get it off the ground. To and oh, so my point was that that first year with this, the scarf necklaces were such a hit. We had no idea. I mean, and also as a new product category, so you had to literally show people how to wear it. Here's how I'm wearing oh, wear it. With, wow. You know, my more casual looks or my button downs or, um, you know, jean shorts or you know something that you're not automatically going to assume that you may wear it with. Right. Whereas you know necklace you can wear it with anything and you know the customer knows how to how to buy it and how to wear it and what to do with it so but there was a really um an interesting period of time where we had to teach people what this was and how to wear it and the why it's expensive because you know it takes this many hours of somebody's time to make it um and so that was and what another thing that was wonderful about that is um i was able to meet all these people, all these customers that are still our customers today, we have an extremely loyal customer base, and they feel like they know me, and they do. Um, we also, as a you know, because we were you know bootstrapping it, we used we definitely used models, but we also used me as you know kind of show people how to wear it, and so um, you nice. know you'll find me on the Instagram. But but by no means was this supposed to be a vanity project. <laughs> it just ended up that. I was able to, first of all, be free and um, you know really show people how to wear things and you know talk about it. And um, one of my best friends, another piece of the puzzle is one of my best friends. Uh, we met at Leffler. He is an excellent photographer and he is so creative. And um, he loves to actually in his even I think our imagery that he does for us. while well, he does all our Im- our editorial work. And, in his, um, photography that he does, his name is Eric Melvin. Um, but his, his um, other work, you, you, really see, it's almost like a painting, you know, the way he wow. like tells a story it, it within his, each of his photographs. Um, but that was part of, you know, giving the audience, showing them what our brand was and mm. evolved brand and, you know, and continuing to elevate, um, the visuals for the brand. Um, that's been another piece of the puzzle. That's been very important because, you know, how the customer base views you and understands you and sees you and, you know, kind of dictates where, who you sit with and, you know, I'm I'm talking about like in a store, what other brands do you sit with? And are you comparable to, and is your quality comparable to, um, Mm. and, you know, that's important in terms of, getting into whatever department store that you want to be in. Cause you know, the, all wow. those things are really important to the whole equation.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's so fun too for those of you who are listening and perhaps you followed Maggie's career from the beginning. Maybe you were even at one of those trunk shows. That would be pretty yeah. fun to hear from one of you guys. But I love I love what you said. It, you know, it, it wasn't a vanity project. It was really necessity. But for those of you who have not seen Maggie, Maggie, you you definitely are a great model. I think it's totally fine <laughs> to be seeing your picture <laughs> and to That's be seeing not a model of it's it's just- it's true, it's true, and, and I love too the the necessity and like you've been saying, really honing in on on okay, collaborating with with friends and working with people that you trust and love, and 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 being able to see kind of Eric, that a theme that I'm hearing throughout your story is. Actually, that you are a great storyteller um, through your pieces, through your art, even, you know, backtracking, you guys can kind of rewind and listen again to what Maggie was saying about being in nature and looking at a the color scheme of a bird. I mean, who thinks of this stuff? Of course, a trained eye would, but <laughs> me, my my mind is being blown over here. So I just love it. And and I'm so curious because it's it's so fun to hear about thinking about you doing, gosh. I think you said 30, 30, different trunk shows in like 50 days or something. So you're running around and then you're, you're on the flight and you're going to meet somebody at Harper's Bazaar. Was there a moment and what was it <laughs> when you thought, <laughs> okay, I, I think MG is is here to stay. I, I think this is going to work.
1: Yes. Well, that's a good question because at first I'm, I was my worst saleswoman. Cause I'm kind of like, is anybody going <laughs> to like this? Oh, you don't like it? Right. That's cool. You don't have to buy it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Whereas, right. um, you know, I had never seen a saleswoman in action before. And um, my friend, her name's Kinsey Finnabrest. She's amazing, it's extremely delightful. And uh, she is an excellent saleswoman. So the way that mm-hmm. she would approach um, us, even walking into a store, she would be wearing it and then she'd either saunter up to the lady at the, at the counter and kind of, and the woman would say, Oh, I like your necklace. And she's like, Oh, well, we're, you know, this is our brand. And do you want to see 10 of them? And here we got them. And Maggie bring them on over here. Oh, you know, it was, kind of like, it was that. And then we would do these trunk shows and mm-hmm. yeah, we fly to, to all over the United States and um, all these interesting women that we would meet and mm-hmm. they'd come for her just to watch her, show people how to wear it and, um, you know, maybe what looks better with their hair color or, you know, what kind of makeup they wear or if, you know, Mm -hmm. what are, are they more into neutrals or are they more into colorful things? Um, there was something for everybody and she could really hone in on what each person wanted and, Mm um, and kind of what resonated and almost made it so that, you know, by the time she was finished with the person, they needed three of them and they needed <laughs> you know, them. It wasn't that they maybe I'll buy it and I don't know, maybe I'll return it, but they like really needed this. And they, you know, the, the customer felt they really needed it. And they did, you know, they ended up loving it and like loving the brand. And our customer retention's amazing. And oh. uh, so, yeah, that was that was that was really exciting.
0: Oh yes, to be thinking about that and to see the the people actually—I mean, it's just so fun and friendly. Reminder, you guys, did you hear how this started? This was a piece from a vintage dress that Maggie yeah. had the thought to wrap around her neck, walk home. I mean, that's that's insane. That that is a movie script. If anyone's listening, we have a movie for you. This is like the next New York setting young. I I love it. That's so fun to think about. I'm wondering too, what was a real wow moment in your career as you're kind of starting, getting started, maybe more established? What was a real wow moment for you?
1: Well, I think, uh, as we've gone, um, I, I think even just having the first trunk show and it being super successful was a wow moment for me. Mm. Um, really see the reaction of people and how much they loved it was a re- was a wow moment for me um to be in business now seven years is a wow moment for me and i think each year you know us moving from like my apartment into an actual office was a wow moment for me um me mm-hmm. being able to have a baby and not take a maternity leave be back in the office and like really hit the ground running still while you know maybe crying a little bit each day because I felt so overwhelmed, but like to be able to do that, keep going um, and still have so many exciting things coming down the pipeline was a wow moment for me. Um, and then, you know, to get into Neiman Marcus and sell Bergdorf Goodman. I mean, that was a huge wild moment for me. That's my favorite store. I remember when I first came to New York city and walking into the, Bar- the Bergdorf Goodman department store and just, I mean, my eyes light up. It's like a museum for me. Every product has so much detail and it's so intricate and it's so original um, that, you know, I don't even go there to buy anything because <laughs> um, everything's so expensive. But at least it's like a, it's truly delightful to go in there and just look at all the products and see um, how they're made and how, you know, working at Marc Jacobs in their stample room, something I loved doing was... Um, you sew a garment from the inside out. And to, so to see how much work goes into the inside of a jacket mm. or a couture dress, or uh, even a blouse is wow. an insane amount of work. You know, you only really see the outside and the finished products, but there's so many edge finishings on the inside and especially on like a an evening jacket, um, the way that they finish the French bindings and the, you know, the covered snaps and, um, that was the, that was something that I always loved, you know, even in a shoe. I love designing shoes because each shoe is like an entire outfit all in one. Cause there's so many details just in the shoe, <laughs> you yes. know, uh, it's just, I don't know, really exciting.
0: Oh, yes, well, and we can tell it's so fun because this is obviously your passion, and so I think that really translates in your designs in your story and m g s story, and all of the different gosh, so many lessons to take away from this conversation. but I'd love to know too what what would you say is the greatest lesson that you have learned?
1: Oh, good question, good question um, one. <laughs> I, I think this also has come you know through. COVID and this whole year. It's something that I've really focused on as well, but I think it's just be true to yourself, be Mm -hmm. honest and be true to yourself, listen to your gut and follow your heart because, and be original because that's all you can do. And, And ultimately that makes you so much more interesting, I think to anybody else, because you're giving them something that's truly original. Um, you know, whereas if you're, you know, that's why it's so important for us to get out of our office, creative people to get out of our office and be outside and um, see things uh, so that you can, you know, interpret it yourself instead of looking at maybe things that have already been created and, and, you know, maybe changing them or something. I think it's so much better to just go and find an original thing that inspires you. Like maybe it is a bird or, you know, a bird's le- wing or, or maybe it's like a landscape or maybe it's um, you know, maybe it's the color story of, like I said, like that paint chipping off a wall and all those colors and what, you know, how they play into each other and it's, you know, a rust or anything. So, um, I think it's just really, I've found, especially through this time, you know, we've had, I'm so proud of MG for having, um, survived this year and in coming out in a great way, but also, who are we? And, and I think we've mm-hmm. really dug deep into, um, you know, who we are as a brand, um, what we stand for, uh, you know, how can we be better? How can we take care of our employees in the best way and make people feel as, you know, as happy and secure as possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, um, I don't know. I think that that to me has been a real looking a, a learning experience this year to just look inside and dig deep and, and own, own your own self and your own thoughts and be who you're going to be.
0: Mm. And such an encouragement for anyone who's listening. This is really fun, Maggie, because I, I take notes during my, uh, my calls and right here, I've got original underlined exclamation point, exclamation point before you even <laughs> said that. And so yeah. that, that was just a theme for me in this conversation. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is really original stuff that you've created and again, such an encouragement for my listeners for those of you who are thinking about, you know, I want to design something or I just I just want to be more aware of my surroundings and really take in the beauty of every day, I think that Maggie has given us some really great examples. And then another thing I just have circled is be outside. And for those of you who are listening, uh, many of you know, I live, um, I live in a beautiful place. And so I just another encouragement for you, for me, it's like, get outside. And if you guys can get outside, it's so uplifting, you're going to see Maggie's designs, you're going to get what we're saying and why nature is such a a topic today. But to see Mm -hmm. the beauty in every day. I think that's a lesson I'm taking away, uh, from this conversation for sure. I'd love to know too, what are you learning now?
1: Oh, good question. Well, you know, as our brand uh, and company gets bigger and bigger, um, you know, we have an incredible team and, um, the things that are most important to me and our company is taking care of those people and, um, you know, what do they need to, to, to be here and be happy and to know that they have a place here in the future. Like how can we show them what what their growth projections are like and how, you know, I feel very lucky to be surrounded by so many people that love this brand and and are passionate about being here and working hard for each other. And I think um, having started in New York city and in fashion, the fashion industry was quite different and it was, it was, you know, Mean, and it was you know, the environment wasn't right. hey, let's all work together. If there's a problem, like, no worries, let's like dissect it. You take this, I'll do this, let's work together to fix it. It was mm. more of a you know, make people feel small who are beneath other people, and right. I never wanted to do that. Um, for this company and for this brand, and I feel like the more I build the people up around me, the more th- the harder they work for this company, and the better it is for everybody. Um, So I think for me, I, you know, I want to keep defining, redefining, and be the best version of of a leader for for everyone here. And, you know, I've never done this before, so I don't know what that means. But um, something beautiful that happened over COVID was I reached out to as many people, entrepreneurs, um, you know, financial advisors, um, friends who had started companies that maybe didn't have anything to do with the jewelry uh, industry, but to reach out to these people and see how I can be a better leader for my company. What can we do? How can we pivot? Um, wow. you know, what are ways that we can work together to support small businesses? Um, it was a beautiful thing to see so many of, uh, you know, brands used to fight against each other and, you know, not want to, not want to be friends, but there there's been this beautiful thing where, a lot of us jewelry designers are now friends, and we, you know, mm-hmm. how can we help each other out? How can we, you know, at a time where we were having to furlough people? How can we share employees so that our employees could still be making enough money to live off of, but in a, you know, we could get our jobs done? Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's a. It's an ever, definitely an ever evolving um, uh, position that I'm in, and I'm just. Right. I'm really trying to learn as much as I can to do the best I can for this brand to help it succeed.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I'm getting a snippet, a tiny, tiny snippet of your leadership style. I'm all in. I love it. Where are we going? (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, speaking of that, that's fun. Speaking of, uh, I know that you always have something coming up, something exciting, something fun. We've always got beautiful pieces out. Uh, what's What's next for you in in work or life? What's next for you?
1: Yeah. So. Um, What's really exciting for MG is uh, we have the whole classics collection that I mentioned to you, the scarf necklace and these beaded styles and something we've all been loving. And we wanted to to translate the trend into what's our MG uh, uh, viewpoint is a whole charms collection. So we've got Uh um, yeah, a number of different. Uh, necklace styles and bracelet styles that will be evergreen. We hope to sell them, you know, year, year round and, and incorporate them into our classics collection. Um, and as you can probably imagine, it, it is rooted in travel and hope and serenity and, mm. um, you know, gratitude and, you know, everything that we've kind of needed to lean on this past mm. year. Um, we've poured that into these pieces. So I'm just thrilled for you guys to see them and, and, hopefully fall in love with them as much as I have.
0: Oh, well, I'm ready. I'm taking notes. I'm ready. I'm ready to go shopping. I'm going to hide. <laughs> i got to hide this. Uh, my husband can't listen to this episode. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> well, a really good price point too, so say that to him. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I, Maggie, I cannot tell you how much I have enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, one thing I did, we, I touched on, but... Was that this whole? Uh, I think it's a new thing. I, I believe it started to happen in the last couple of years, but truly happened in the last year was women, women empowering women. And um, mm. I know in New York, there's I'm a part of three or four different groups of women, you know, starting things and and doing things and starting companies, or you know, maybe they're. Uh, you know becoming to be a chef because they love to, to, to cook and they found that that's a, a passion of theirs um wow. and you know even having this conversation with you you know how can i learn from you and how can i learn oh, what goodness. you you know i know you this is uh something new that you started and you've become super successful at and you know how can i take something you know some of your words from uh, wisdom and, and and apply them to my situation and maybe be better because of it mm. um you know, I just think because so many women in the workforce, you have to once they start having kids, you have to decide, are you going to stay at home with your baby or babies? or Are you going to, you know, continue in, in your job? And mm-hmm. I feel like now you can do both because then uh-huh. um, either you can stay at your job and there's much more, I think chatter, uh, in the office and in the workforce to figure out how these women can come back to work and be present in their home lives. Or if they decide to stay, stay home and they have an entrepreneurial spirit, mm. you know, how do you get these businesses up off the ground? And if I think it truly is, you know, let me have, you know, I have this friend who can help me here and this friend who's doing this and this friend wow. who can help me with that, um, and all kind of banding together for advice or, you know, Uh, help or can you, you know, referrals or whatever it is. It's been a really cool thing, a really cool time, I think, to be an entrepreneur and a woman.
0: Well, and such an encouragement for those of us who aren't necessarily in the city to hear that, gosh, you know, a lot of trends, a lot of things come out of New York, come out of LA. So to hear that that's what's being pushed, that's what's being talked about, just continuing to move to a, a place of empowerment for women, for moms. And another takeaway, just, and there's so many, so you guys are probably going to want to listen to this episode a couple times. I know I'm going to, <laughs> but just another encouragement. It's never too late. Even that example of somebody figured out, hey, I want to be a chef, be a chef. It's never too late. Uh, even for me, you know, I look around, I'm like, there's so many podcasts. I don't know. Gosh, is there one doing something similar? Sure. But is the host me? Do they have my voice? No. And that's not, you know, that's not a vanity thing. It's just an encouragement to you guys. Exactly. Of It's never too late. And and that's another, gosh, Maggie, you're blowing my mind right. today. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. And and two, uh, just to piggyback on this, I know um, that you are all about encouraging women, empowering women. You guys know a question that I'm about to ask Maggie. I ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, you know, who do you know that should come on and share their how did she do that story? And I just want to say really quickly, boy, you were amazing to get back to me and, and gave a long list, and and that's just such an encouragement to me. But but do tell us. Who do you know that should come on and share their story?
1: Yes. Okay. So we do collaborations um, all the time, but two of my favorite people that we did collaborations with this past season, Gigi Burris is an extremely talented milliner. Um, She makes these beautiful hats um, and she's located here. She's from Florida, but she's here in New York um, and she's just the kindest person. Um, And then Myron Crosby it was started by two just extremely genuinely kind uh, sisters out of Dallas. They make bespoke cowboy boots. Um, Sarah is uh, Sarah and Lizzie. Sarah and I worked together at um, at a Lefa Randall, so that's oh. how we. Did it other. But um, definitely check them out. Let's see. Lydia Finette is is one of my favorite friends here in New York City. And she is just one of the most empowering women I've ever met. Um, She just wrote a book called The Most Powerful Woman in the Room. And she's literally just encouraging women to go be the best versions of themselves. She's a VP at Christie's and flying all over the world and somehow finds the time to have three kids and writes books. And (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> She's like a wonderful friend. So I don't know how she does it. But um, another friend of mine, Molly Finding, she started Baby Aiders, And she is now the CEO of Red Clay Hot Sauce. So definitely oh check that out. Um, and then Morgan Hutchinson, she uh, started Guru, uh, And we met um, probably like six years ago and have collaborated on a bunch of things. Um, and her story, she talks a lot about she's an advocate for mental health. And, um, she has really turned, uh, you know, a tiny, tiny company into a very successful company. So I would encourage you guys to check her out. We do a lot of collaborations together. And then Hunter Bell is also a good friend of mine, um, who was located in New York and she's now in Houston, but just makes the most beautiful puffy sleeved blouses and dresses that you just. Will die for. So that's just a a few. I feel like I could Uh, sit and tell you about thirty more, but that's a
0: that's a few. (laughs) So that's incredible. That's a great list for us to start with. And and again, I can't thank you enough for gosh, just your time. I feel like I could have talked to you forever. Now, many of you probably have already looked up MG on Instagram. Perhaps you're already following Maggie. But Maggie, where can listeners connect with you?
1: Sure. Probably the most easy is uh, the easiest is is Mignon Gavigan. Our, our Instagram and DM us, please. We are we like love to hear from everybody. So that's M I G N O N N E G A V I G A N. Yeah. Another people are like, so Mignon. How do you say that? And you know, my mom <laughs> would kill me, but like filet Mignon is what I tell everybody. <laughs> and exactly. Gavigan, yeah, Mignon means petite or small or cute in French. And then Gavigan's a very Irish last name. So my mom actually was a Pan Am stewardess and her best friend's name was, and she was a Pan Am stewardess too, was Mignon La Chapelle. So that's my godmother. And that's what I'm named after. But
0: Oh, I love it. Oh, well, you guys are going to have to find Maggie again, Mignon Gavigan. You guys can find it, at MignonGavigan.com. We are so excited to share this conversation with you. Maggie, you have inspired me and encouraged me. I could literally talk to you forever. So thank Aww. you again. For joining me on today's episode.
1: Well, this has been a wonderful experience. I am so honored to be here and thank you so much for all your kind words. They, they truly mean so much.
0: Oh, well, my pleasure. And we will. talk. To you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week for a new episode. Talk to you soon.